Welcome back to the She Does This podcast. I am your host, founder and editor of She Does This, Geordie Lucas. Very excited to have you with us this week. We've got a great episode coming up for you. I just wanted to say thank you for all the amazing feedback that we got uh, from last week's episode with Casey Beros. So many of you resonated um, with the fear of passing on our little quirks to our children, whether that be anxiety, other sort of mental health issues. There's so many of us that are worried about passing these things on to our children. And I think as Casey said in that episode, the fact that we're also aware of it is sort of the first step to changing the cycle. So if you haven't listened to that episode, go back. I'll put it in the show notes. It's really interesting. Casey is one of the country's most well-respected health journalists. So she's got a wealth of knowledge on um all things sort of health, evidence-based research. So yeah, I'll link it in the show notes. You should definitely have a listen. On the site this week, Vinnie Ong, the founder of Happy Human, shares her top tips for being more sustainable at home. There's also details on an incredible $674 sustainable giveaway. So definitely check that one out if you're into eco-friendly products. This week's guest, Felicia Palanca, is one of the most prolific ballerinas to come out of Australia. She's danced in principal roles in the Australian Ballet Company and has worked in New York, Paris and London. Since retiring, she launched Flow Dance and Activewear, a line for young girls to experience the joy of movement and dance. We talk all about her career, her gripe with Natalie Portman's portrayal in Black Swan and how she scaled her business. Here's my chat with Felicia. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited to hear all about your incredible career as a ballerina and, and what you've gone on to do since then. We were just talking before about COVID and how it's affected your business. How has it affected flow? I'd say uh, with the business, it was more like I wanted to make sure everyone in the staff was comfortable. That was the main point and everyone felt that they would always have contact, but then they could tend to what was going on. So first few weeks of it were pretty tricky yeah um and but I have to say as far as you know sales and for the children's where it went really well um I guess um it was always a strong brand it's been around for 13 years and mm -hmm. then when COVID hit probably the first four to six weeks everyone stopped buying everything so you know yeah. we we're affected um and definitely the staff and I was horrific for us in Melbourne um but as far as sales, it felt like that, that people started buy more of the dancewear and we were quite shocked by that. But we think that it was because, you know, it's an imaginary world, the mums are at home, the kids loved, uh, you know, dressing up and playing and, you know, it's comfortable. So I think that the fact that it's beautiful dancewear that is for imaginary play, it helped mm. us um, keep going and go really well. So we'll talk more about the business. Mm -hmm. But I want to hear about the start of your love of dance. Ballet, I feel, is a rite of passage for little girls. I've got a almost two-year-old and I can't wait to get her into, into ballet classes. So when did you realise as a little girl that this was something that you wanted to do as a career? You'll think it's pretty funny because it was pretty young. So I was only like a year older than your daughter. And I was <laughs> not to decide to dance, but the, when I fell in love with it. Yeah. So it was at kinder, three-year-old kinder. And I kept seeing these little girls walking up the stairs in pink. And I was, you know, I just kept seeing them walking up. And then I could hear the music through the floor. 
the beautiful like music, this yeah. stunning classical music, which I've always been drawn to. Um, and then I saw them come down with jelly beans at the end every time. <laughs> the, the teacher gave them little jelly beans in a little pack. And so I begged my mum to go. Um, and so I went to this ballet class the first time I walked in and it's really strange. It felt straight away like I was at home. I was yeah. meant to be in this studio. I didn't, I didn't know that I was going to be a ballet dancer, but I loved it. I loved everything about it, the way that it felt, the way my body felt when I moved and just being with the dancers and the teacher. So that was the beginning of my love of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't have decided to become a ballet dancer as a profession till about six. It's still pretty young. That <laughs> is young. Yeah, really young. Um, it's quite strange because I feel like if you really, you know, are meant to do something, you'll feel it in your gut and you'll just go for it. Yeah. But I have found later that people have said to me, like, I had no direction at, at that age, you know, even to their 20s, they didn't feel like that. So it was quite an odd thing that I just completely knew mm. I wanted to dance. I, I watched a video because we used to have videos then of um, <laughs> Gelsey Kirkland and Mikhail Brishnikov, which are like the masters of dance at that time in New York City Ballet. And they did... Don Quixote, which is a ballet that I ended up doing later. And that is when I really thought, oh my God, I want to do this. Everything yeah. about that ballet and the audience clapping and I'd start mimicking it. And so I'd watched ballet videos over and over. My ultimate dream was to be that ballerina, you know, the one that was on stage in New York around the world. Dancing. And you achieved that. That's incredible. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I would say too, though, like the competition is fierce. Mm. So, you know, um, at the time you don't know that. You have no fear at a, a young age. Yeah. So you just, I'm going to aim for it. I'm going to aim for being a really good dancer. I didn't know what that looked like, but I wanted to be, yeah. Yeah. So growing up um, with the sort of demands of becoming this ballerina, there would have been a lot of, uh, you know, physical but also mental stress on you. How did you deal with that and how, what was the relationship that you had with your body? Yeah, so this is an interesting question. Uh, I didn't feel like I had a strange relationship with the body part because I wasn't naturally a fit person, but I don't think you could actually be worried about your body when you're doing the amount of hours we did. So, you yeah. know, obviously six, seven and eight, you're not even thinking about it. Mm. Around 9, 10, 11, you're increasing your, like, exercise for dance could be up to, like, 25 hours a week. Yeah. By the time you're full-time, it can be more than that, (laughs) maybe, like, 50. You're schooling plus you're dancing. Mm. Um, And when I got to Australian Ballet School, I was doing 13 hours, five days a week. By the time (sighs) I got to Australian Ballet, I was doing seven shows a week, 250 shows a year. So there is no way for me to have put on weight. But I... I will say that there was lots of other stories, you know, from other people. And there were lots of girls that couldn't, didn't have the body type that it affected it exactly right as well. Mm. And um, honestly, I felt sorry for that, you know, because I was, I was little and so it worked and I was just quite a fit. Um, I didn't have to be super, super skinny. I was super, super fit, if that made sense. Yeah. Um, but if a ballet teacher would say to you, like, I guess my, my only story I could say from my own experiences around 13, a ballet teacher, I had had a cold and I'd lost a couple of kilos 
with the cold yeah and I never thought that I'd needed any had any issues with weight anyway mm. um, and she said to me you look fantastic like this is the best you've ever looked and yeah. so in my mind that clicked and I was like okay now I have to keep that and I think yeah for about I'd say like six months I was really like going okay maybe I won't eat that maybe I won't eat this um and my parents noticed it and basically just said to me um you know if you don't change what's happening we know what's happening then we won't let you go to dance class anymore I think it was between 12 and 13 I was really smart because Mm. my head was so obsessed with dancing there was no way I was going to even miss one class yeah (laughs) so they basically bribed me but in a good way you know yeah Um, and so after that I realized too that I was physically stronger as I was. So when I did try to really, really go even lower than I should be, yeah, uh, I didn't dance as well. There was no point to that. Yeah. Yeah. But there is a massive body image issues with dance because you have to look a certain way unless you're born with that, like the correct exact body type. Mm. You have to either create it by your eating or you have to create it physically by the way you dance or you you're not you won't get in yeah <laughs> like what is what is the correct body type because I had a friend growing up that was an incredible dancer but she'd been told by a teacher that she would never make it because she didn't have the right hips or yeah yeah yeah. so it's a thing so um look I wouldn't say there's all different sizes right yeah but the natural thing and I think it would be I think the only sport I could say it's similar to is running like a sprinter yeah. um, or semi longer, shorter distances, like a, mm-hmm. because it gives you that body. It's like interval training dancing. You're like 30 seconds on, 20 seconds off, two minutes yeah. on, two minutes all day you're doing that. Um, so narrow hips and then, you know, not too big at the top. Yeah. Like so I'd be out. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. But no, yeah. maybe the thing is, you don't even know because if you did 13 hours of dance, your body changes so much. That, yeah. like so many parts of you change because of it mm. you know, I used to joke about how quite honestly it's like I danced my boobs off <laughs> I, had boobs. I had boobs when I was 12 you know like everyone yeah. and by the time I got to full time they were gone and it was <laughs> <laughs> because you know like you can, and that's what runners say too like if they have to run a lot their boobs yeah. like it's just a body fat place that goes away you know yeah. Um, so yeah and you know you you have to wear unitards that are white and then you have to wear tutus that are you know and you've got down light on you and you're watching Mm -hmm. yourself in the mirror all day so I I was more um, fixated on getting my technique perfect yeah like it would have been horrific if you're worrying about your weight and you were just seeing that every day yeah a lot of of people dropped out because of that absolutely I can imagine because that would just be it would have been double the stress. Yeah. Double the stress. Yeah. But once you become a professional, you already know I've made it to here. So I physically mm. look right. So then you just are maintaining it really. Yeah. Not by food. Like I didn't have to do that. Others definitely did. It was just not enough time to eat enough mm. food. We ate twice a day and I ate what I wanted. Yeah. Because you're working it off anyway. Yeah. Like I have this strange story that everyone laughs about that after a show I would have a whole block of dairy milk chocolate oh, in no. a mug, melt it in the microwave, <laughs> dip a banana and eat it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so <laughs> that is strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you 
have danced in principal roles in Australia and overseas. Australia is not a great place to be if you're a creative. The opportunities are far less, I feel. Um, How competitive is it in Australia? Well, at the time that I was dancing, the Australian ballet was the very top of the top and there was Queensland Ballet and West Australian Ballet. There Mm. were only other two. And I'm from Sydney. Yeah, uh, and, but I moved to Melbourne when I was fourteen and didn't come back. But the Australian Ballet went there for three, four months of the year, so that's where I wanted to dance. But honestly, out of the thirty dancers that were in the class of the Australian Ballet School, and then don't count the thousands that tried out for the Australian Ballet School, so only thirty got in from yeah. all of Australia. Only two of us got a job at the end of three years. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's very, very, very competitive. Now, yeah. Queensland Ballet is also like maybe the second top dance company in mm-hmm. Australia. So you've got two to choose from. Yeah. Uh, and otherwise, the other dancers had to go overseas. How did that affect your ability to form friendships if it's that competitive? The way I, I see it is that it's like the movie Black Swan, you know, that movie with Natalie Portman. I love that you mentioned that that um, movie. Do you know that that movie is almost like a real ballet dancer's like worst movie that was ever brought out because it, really? wasn't, it wasn't because <laughs> it wasn't, it's great. We always get excited when there's dance out there. Mm. Um, there was lots of things that are correct. So there were things inside it where they talked about how, you know, they had she had to, constraint her food like I told you there were people that yeah that or and punishing your body that punishing of the body probably is in more extreme than in that ballet um yeah. the friendship part was different because you you're you're with those dancers from that child so I was with them all the way through the dance schools and then you're with them for competitions and it's weird it's the mums that are not getting along or the teacher yeah, <laughs> yeah at all you know um not in my time and those dancers then got into Australian ballet school you know they're the ones that have won the competitions with you so then you're um so it's super competitive about the dancing but the people that were competitive were the teachers and parents it wasn't the children um and then obviously I mean you you're so hungry for it your focus is tunnel vision you have to be extremely ambitious to do it Mm. um or believe in your talent a lot so you can be humble and believe in your talent obviously um but yeah you you are not going there to make friends but you end up going and meeting so many people that feel the same way about dance as you Mm. and when I got into the Australian ballet I definitely picked people that were grounded and that would help uplift me yeah um sorry going back to the black swan thing though the thing that everyone got upset with which people wouldn't know is that natalie portman said that she danced for a year and that's how she was able to dance on that Mm. she never danced one step the girl was from the american ballet theater it would be like saying that roger federer could do become to what he was in one year it's impossible but you cannot even get on point she wouldn't have even been able to put her foot inside the shoe within that year so she only used her upper body yeah and she should have said that because her acting was beautiful and she you know gave the look and the poise and her mm. arms and all the walking in but nothing from the hip down waist down was her was and her. she should have, she should have said that and she didn't and so it caused a mass and she should have thanked the dancer who yeah. was a body double for the whole time Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that people don't think that that's all it takes. 
because she did yeah. a couple of dance classes in a you know when she was younger like you know how you said your friend did she didn't even do what your friend did you know like dance till 12 she just took a couple of ballet classes when she was younger yeah. she never you know if someone maybe went to all the way to 13 14 and then stopped there and then made the movie around 15 16 so he, she still couldn't have looked like that prince that is a principle of Dance you know american ballet theater yeah yeah <laughs> and that's what you reached you were at the pinnacle so how did it feel to get to that point um well to be honest I felt like I deserved it <laughs> I yeah, had good I filled myself to do it you know like yeah physically, and it was my dream to do it so um by the time that you go through the ranks so it's mm. like being in the army you've got like quarter core and then the yeah Corvée and then senior a uh, soloist and then senior house and principal yeah. once I got to the top of that in Australian ballet uh, it'd been 10 years. So I, I got to the solace and senior after like two years. So yeah. very fast climb at the beginning. Mm. Uh, and then the last one to principal and senior artist, that was the like, you know, right at the end. Um, the senior artist part was probably about four years. But by the time you get to there, you, you know, you work so hard to get mm. it. You, you feel you deserve it. Yeah, that's yeah. good because I feel like I speak to so many women on this podcast and there's this really common theme of imposter syndrome. Am I going to be found out? Do I really deserve to be where I am? So it's it's nice to hear that, oh, you know, <laughs> you were like pat on the back. <laughs> I don't want to answer. And I feel like that about my friends, the ones that yeah. have come before me or the ones that came after me, you're so excited for them. Mm. You know what they've done to get there. And even now I saw a couple of principals that were promoted during the pandemic in yeah. New York and, and they rang them up because they weren't dancing and they obviously wanted to promote them in the season. And, yeah. to like you know, it was so hard for them to not dance during this. Um, mm. They got promoted and you just saw them just breaking down because, you know, they haven't gotten to dance, but they were expected to become, you know, a certain rank by that time and they did yeah. it. So, yeah, it's always amazing to see someone make it. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. So tell me about the decision to walk away and to retire as a ballerina. So strange because it was as fast as it was that I made my decision to dance. I guess, like I told you, because it was so grueling physically and because your focus is just zeroed in. I only had Sunday off for 10 mm. years in Australian ballet. So you had no life outside of the ballet. Um, yeah. and everything was about getting ready for the show. So, you know, even if you couldn't really have a normal life, not like a normal life at all, it's changed now, but it wasn't. You couldn't have children old. You were not able to go on maternity leave and come back. They just, once you were done, you were done. You, um, yeah, you couldn't come back with children. Just because of the hours, now they changed it and they've also let nannies come in for the babysitting and help <laughs> so that you, they want you to dance longer or at my my stage you didn't. So yeah. I was ready. I made this decision after I got principal in Munich Ballet and I was there mm. for about two years. I said to myself, I think I want to know what life is. Like I would <laughs> like to go to a city and not to be inside the theatre all day. You know, yeah, <laughs> you know, and rehearsals. So, yeah, it wasn't that I lost my love of it. I still absolutely loved it. And mm. it took quite a few years to get over the fact that I wasn't a dancer because that was my identity for the entire time. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so you walk away from ballet. Tell me about the business that you started, Flow Dancewear. Uh, well, 
in between becoming um, the finishing of the dancing and during the dancing, I was an ambassador with a big dancewear company and I used to test product and I was always fascinated by the costume department because we had so many stunning costumes made on us. So I did spend a lot of time down there. So I think I felt I wanted to do something in design and then I did become a designer for that dancewear company in America for yeah. the three years uh, after I stopped dancing and then I came back to have my daughter and probably a year into it, I started thinking about what kind of thing I'd like to do next. And I, I literally just took a photo of my daughter lying on the floor with the tutus all around her. And um, the picture ended up being like the inspiration for the whole thing um, yeah. of like dreaming of being a ballerina. So many women and children, you know, who have dreamed of being a ballerina. Oh, yeah. You know, it's like you know, a boy dreaming of being a policeman or a footballer or you know yeah um so that was my first image and second was the accessibility the price of clothing for dancewear and being a dancer at all I had to win multiple scholarships to do it also make sure the fabrics are really beautiful and easy to wash for the pair yeah. yeah so tell me about then scaling the business because you've expanded exponentially and you're in stores like Macy's you're in on the iconic how have you sort of taken it from that first, you know, inspiration photo of your child to where you are now? Well, I had such a great reaction from just showing that picture. Um, I, so I was lucky enough to get into 150 stores when I showed some agents, just Mara and Pastors in that first year. Mm. And, and I had worked with a manufacturer before, so I knew the manufacturing process. But I had this wonderful friend, and I still do, and she's still in my company, um, Kate Lally, and she had come from Russell Athletics, and I got introduced to her by my husband, and he, he said, maybe she can help you. Um, we met, and she was like the side of my brain that I, that I didn't have, you know, yeah. background in the commerce and law, and she, but she'd been in branding as well, mm-hmm. and she'd worked with an athletics company. So the, together we forged the company and really just went one step by step you know mm. Maya and then David Jones came to us and then we went to seek Iconic and they loved it and you know the more success that we showed those um, department stores mm. um, that dance where would be something that would be a complete different category inside there that they could make money from mm. and it increased sales to other other parts of their company at the you know the children's wear floor yeah it was quite easy like I felt like once we got in front of them and once we showed ourselves and what it looked like and the women the buyers loved it that was yeah. thing. <laughs> um, they either had a daughter that was a dancer or they had been a dancer or they'd wanted to be a dancer you know that helped us a lot scaling mm. into America I only did once my children were old enough and so was Kate and we brought on enough people to help yeah. us got a very tight team still uh um but then we scaled up so we were secure with our business here before we did that yep so and because I'd worked in America I'd felt very confident about dance in America because it's absolutely huge there much bigger than it is here so (laughs) you know dance so I didn't feel fear for that Mm. Um, it was pretty amazing to get into Macy's but the buyer had been looking for it, you know, the buyer had been looking for it. So when I contacted her, 
contacted her and contacted her and contacted her. Yeah. <laughs> and then I actually sent a box. We sent her a box with, you know, our beautiful flow box and she opened it and just saw all the tulle and the pink and she had a daughter, of course. Um, then she just rang me up straight away and said she's been looking for something like this for a long wow. time. So that's yeah. how it began with Macy's and they're still going so strong. Yeah. Yeah. And now we're in Zappos. Uh, also discount dance was the biggest dance where um, online business in America and Amazon as well. Wow. So, yeah. And you said you had two daughters? No, I've got one daughter. One daughter. Yeah, one daughter and one son. Yeah. And is she a dancer? Or no. is he a dancer? No. Oh. <laughs> he, could be, he could be the most amazing dancer. She has, I started her obviously same as you, had a mm. try, but it just wasn't her. She didn't like had a totally different experience to me with it and she's the perfect body and the perfect look and you know sometimes I think maybe it was even the pressure because I didn't pressure her but Mm. when I walked in the studio with her they knew who I was yeah and she knew what I'd done so maybe that but I don't know um either way it wasn't her thing and Ben has got an amazing body for a male dancer but male dancers in Australia are just not looked up at you know and they're not something that that people really push for like I think if he's in America or in Europe I think he would just do it a lot yeah. football it's really hard to get the boys brain over it even their father's yeah. brain over it <laughs> that yeah. a, man, a man can be a ballet dancer and do amazing and yeah so I wish they did but they don't <laughs> they both have got amazing facilities so it's quite annoying and talented, <laughs> but no they're not <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> Well, you've had such an incredible career and obviously still going, but if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice, what would that be? I think I would say to myself, don't fear that you won't learn along the way. So even if you, because I had to take a lot of risk, um, like financially and just personally, and probably every second day I questioned whether I was doing the right thing. You know, should I just be doing working for someone? You know, should I have just done part time this? You know, like certain things that I would ask myself: Why did I pick a, like my own <laughs> my own business? Like, why did I do that? I don't. I would say possibly you're going to make it in the end. It's going to be really hard, and it's going to be up and downs. Um, but like, believe in yourself and ask lots of people questions. And I, because I, I didn't know that I could do that, it took me a while to ask, you know, different people's help. And I did do that, ask some questions about how to do my business. And it, that was massively integral. So probably believe in yourself that you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, also, it doesn't matter if you don't. Um, and you're going to learn so much along the way that you'll be an asset to a different a different field anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Felicia, <laughs> thank you so much for, for joining us. And I can't wait to get my little girl in a little Oh my gosh, please let me send her something. Oh, of course, please, you please can. Just tell me the size and I'll send her a box. <laughs> Thanks for Thank you me. so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of She Does This. If you have loved this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Share this episode with a friend and we will be back in your ears next week. <laughs>